Hey friend, tens of thousands of people receive hope through their headphones each week by listening to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. But we know as well as most people that healing doesn't happen simply by listening to inspiring stories. In fact, you have to engage in deeper relational community with like-minded people who are also struggling through the journey. And you have to apply the practical tools and truths that you're learning from those who have gone before you. I mean, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7. He said, those who listen to my words and put them into practice will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The storms will come, but the, but the house won't fall. It's information plus application that leads to transformation, which is why we've created the Nothing is Wasted Community Plus platform, an ecosystem of content that you can consume through the power of targeted community. Never again will you have to say that no one understands what you're going through because through Community Plus, we're bringing you both the people who quote unquote get it and the content that will help you journey through it. For just $20 a month or $200 a year with your Community Plus membership, you'll receive access to our extensive library of bonus content, including bonus podcast episodes and on-demand mini courses, access to all of our curated pathways in their entirety, on-demand replay access to all exclusive events, masterclasses, live coaching, webinars, immediate access to the Position for Redemption mini course, which is normally $97, discounts on all Nothing Is Wasted products, events, and coaching. And if you choose the annual plan, you get two months for free. Now, here's the deal. What's even better is that since Nothing Is Wasted Ministries is a nonprofit organization, Community Plus membership is tax deductible. That's right. We'll send you a statement at the end of the year and you can report that on your taxes. I believe Community Plus will be such a helpful tool for you in your pain to purpose journey that I want to give you a seven-day trial for free by signing up today at nothingiswasted.com slash community plus. If you're ready to partner with God to take back your story, get the resources you need to help along the way. Through encouragement and practical steps, the Community Plus platform is what you are looking for in navigating your pain to purpose journey. Go to nothingiswasted.com slash community plus and sign up now. Join others who are finding hope and healing. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Well, hello. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Davey Blackburn, and joining me, special guest co-host and community director for Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, Amy Sylvester. Amy, great to have you. Thank you, Davey. Happy to be here and get to talk with you about this episode. If you're new to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast and you're wondering what this whole thing is, really, this is a, our entire ministry is built around helping you take back your story. Mm-hmm. We've all gone through some very difficult things. In fact, the 300 plus episodes that we have on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, you're going to hear story after story after story, interviewee after interviewee after interviewee, talking about their difficult pain story, but also, most importantly, how God has shown up in it. And so some of them are going to feel like there's like a little bow at the end of their story. Some of them are going to be like, hey, we're right in the middle of this, and this is how God is showing up in it. Amy, you shared your story uh, remind me what episode that was again. Uh, I think it's 175, I think. 175, Amy shared her story. Um, so you can go and listen to that if you're just kind of curious about this. 
Um, but we're, just, we're, we're so glad you're here. We'd love for you to, if you are looking to, to take a next step in your own pain journey, if you're trying to figure out where do I start in this whole healing journey, um, we'd love to invite you to a Zoom call that I lead every single, uh, usually every month. It's couple, sometimes a couple of times a month. Nothingiswasted.com slash start here is where you can register for that. But that Zoom call is called Five Steps to Taking Back Your Story No Matter What You've Gone Through. And um, and then every week we release an episode of the podcast that you can consume for free. And uh, it will be an encouragement to you. Revelation 12 says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We really believe that. And God has used this podcast in tremendous ways over the past few years to really in, inspire people and encourage people toward hope. But we have a lot more resources beyond this that we want to help you in your healing journey. And so come to that Zoom call, nothingiswasted.com slash start here. You can register for the next one. Today, we've got an incredible interview with Aaron and Jennifer Smith. And they've got a an amazing marriage ministry that was birthed out of so much of like all of our ministry, it seems birthed out of the pain that we go through. That's the whole idea of pain to purpose, right, Amy? Mm -hmm. But they have this amazing marriage ministry um, and a podcast called Marriage After God podcast. They've written uh, The Unveiled Wife, Husband After God, and then most recently The Marriage Gift, which is a daily devotional journey to inspire, encourage, and transform us and our prayer life. And that's what I love about this because one of the most transformative things about, or one of the most, one of the most transformative, I'm going to be redundant here. One of the most transformative ways you can transform your marriage. <laughs> in fact, maybe the single most transformative thing you can do is pray. Yes. And let the Lord do his work in your life and in your spouse's life. And so I'm just so excited for you guys to hear this conversation that I have with Aaron and Jennifer because they're remarkable. Their story is incredible. Yeah, Davey, I think that one thing I'll mention is that they, it's always helpful for me to hear from someone who will admit when things were really hard and you're mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm not the only one going through this. And the other thing is, is they largely do have a marriage ministry, but I didn't get married till I was 34. So there was a lot of single years for me and I would have still gotten a lot out of this episode, whether it be talking about fellowship Good. and community and prayer. Um, Aaron and Jennifer do a great job of um, teaching all of us, no matter your life stage. Right. And so I think you'll get and glean a lot from them. So we're excited for you to listen to this episode with Aaron and Jennifer Smith and Davey, and we know you're going to get a lot from it. Well, guys, thanks for joining me on the Nothing is Wasted podcast. It's great to have you. Thank We're you for having us. Excited to be here. Yeah. Man, thanks for agreeing to wake up super early on the <laughs> West Coast and join me for this conversation. That's not that's that really amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming you guys have kids, so this is not early, huh? Actually, our kids sleep pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Don't get up too early. Yeah. This is around when they get up, and I'm surprised they're not up yet, so we'll see. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm really, I'm thrilled to have this conversation. You guys are doing some incredible work, especially surrounding marriages and marriage crisis struggles. And it comes out of your own story that you guys have walked through. And now out of that, just like so many of our folks that we like to partner with and, and have conversations with, they've taken their pain and, and turned it around into purpose. And so I'm really um, grateful for what you guys are doing. I'd love for you to share a little bit about your family right now. Just kind of catch our community up. If, if someone's not familiar with you, Describe where you're at, what you guys do, what your family's like, and then we'll dive into some of your story. So 
So Aaron and I have been married almost 17 years, and we have five kids. Our oldest uh, just turned 11. So we have an 11-year-old boy, an 8-year-old girl, a 6-year-old boy, and a 5-year-old boy, and a 3-year-old girl. (laughs) Yeah. Lots of little man. (laughs) Um, And they all sleep well. And That's they all sleep well. Yeah. <laughs> For the most part, every yeah. once in a while they wake up, you know, and need us. But uh, yeah, we homeschool. We live in Central Oregon and we run a ministry full time online and, and write books and um, just love working together, love serving together. It's been a blessing to be able to do it for so many years. We, when we look back, we're like, wow, it's already been, what has it been, 12, 13 years that we've been doing this? Yeah. I know they say yeah. time flies, but time really has. Just flown by. Yeah, especially this year. Wow. <laughs> I was just thinking how fast this year's gone by. Wow. Man, that's amazing. Well, you know, I mean, as you guys, this ministry that you're running, you guys have been very open about a lot of your um, struggles, particularly in marriage. I mean, really almost in, resulting in divorce and just very painful things that you guys walked through. Why don't you spend a little time and, and break that down for us a little bit? What, what did you guys experience? And then I'd love for you to maybe dovetail that we'll dive into a lot of other questions but dovetail that with how did that lead into you beginning to start a ministry from Hmm. this so share with what with us what happened and then and then where where that's led so aaron and i got married fairly young um i was 21 he was 22 and we had this ideal of of marriage and being able to uh, serve god together we had missions on our mind and so that's what we did. We got married and we um, had a trip to Africa planned. We were going to be there for four months. And I feel like like everything that I was thinking about during those first few months of marriage and leading up to marriage was just how exciting everything was going to be and, and how like perfect how, how perfect good. it was going to be. And it was so hard. I just feel like there was this shock factor of getting married and learning how to be one and be together. And it was really hard. And the the first thing that we encountered was that sexual intimacy was really painful, physically painful for me. And then that just turned into a host of, I think, emotional pain and burden and not yeah. knowing what to do about it and how to, how to help each other. Yeah. The sexual intimacy was essentially non-existent in our marriage for four years. <laughs> we had like very few things that happened with us that um, made us able to kind of keep going, like limping forward, but led to a culmination of bitterness, anger, frustration uh, toward each other and, and beginning to be toward God. At first we thought it was just the wedding night. And then it was like, well, let's just, you know, wait a couple of days. And yeah, we heard it's not supposed to be like this forever. (laughs) One day turned into months, which ended up turning into like four years of struggle and, And eventually along the way, like Aaron said, bitterness grew and there was this breakdown, not just in our relationship, but in our faith and in our um, foundation of who God is and asking those really immature questions of why is this happening to us? And um, we don't deserve this. And yeah, like, yeah, that we deserve believing that we deserve better because of whatever choices we made leading up to marriage. And I just was uh, really frustrated and um, kind of throwing my own tantrum in a way of of pulling away from God and saying, well, because this isn't being fixed or you're not helping us in the way that I want you to, I kind of closed my heart off to him. And that lasted, I don't know, probably going in and out of a year, maybe. 
where mm-hmm. I would say that Aaron, you, you did a really good job of standing in the gap and praying when I didn't feel like praying or, um, just, I feel like I was able to have, um, uh, more hope longer, mm-hmm. but it wasn't mm-hmm. until like, so she had like sort of checked out toward the end of this, you know, four year period in the beginning of our marriage. And, uh, and there was something that happened where we, we went to Hawaii to do a photo shoot and we were, we both thought like, okay, maybe this is our, our redo. Maybe this is our, 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 um, start over point. And, uh, nothing was different. Nothing changed the, the environment didn't fix anything. The, this awesome trip didn't fix anything. And, and I think that triggered something in me at that point of thinking like, well, this is never going to change and I'm kind of done. <laughs> and so once I kind of lost hope and was ready to check out, that's when we, we both can feel like, Oh, this is done. We're over. You know, we're not going to do this anymore. And it was at that point that God got a hold of us. It was almost like he was waiting for us or almost like we couldn't hear until we were ready to hear something. I don't know how to explain it, but mm-hmm. we went to church this, this one last time and um, we, we wrote about it in um, her, one of her first books. She wrote the unveiled wife, um, you know, driving to church and just silent and then sitting in church and just not holding hands, not, not touching each other, not looking at each other. And it was in that service. It, um, it wasn't even what the pastor was talking about. I just, I was just so inside myself, just so, done and angry and checked out and we were kind of just going through the motions being a church that um god just started revealing to me and reminding me of the truth that i had forgotten the truth that i maybe have never even believed um and you know bringing me back to the garden of gethsemane where jesus is there you know, weeping and praying and asking God to take this cup that he's about to take take this 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 wrath that he's about to endure for for his future bride. And God's revealing this to me saying, he's like, Jesus is what he went through for his bride. Are you not willing to do even a little bit of that? Are you not even willing to choose to love your, your bride that you've already chosen to, to marry that she's already yours. You're already one. Are you going to love her anyway? Are you going to do this? And are you going to take your, your little cross because your savior took his cross and it, it just, it broke me. I was like, oh, dang, you're right. I didn't even think about it that way. And then he was just reminding me, he's like, are you, um, are, you know, has your wife done anything to you that is worse than what, you know, your sin has done to me? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no. And so he just, he brought me to a place of realizing that even if nothing changed, if my wife never changed, if our situation never changed, that I, I can and should still love my wife as Christ loves the church because that's exactly how Christ loves the church. Wow. Um, in all of our ugliness and all of our mess and all of our brokenness and all of our adultery and all of our idolatry and all of our everything, he loves us. And it's that love that changes us. It's that love that transforms us. And so that was the beginning of healing for us was me after church coming up to her and just apologizing that I wasn't loving her well and that I was um, expecting something um, more from her than she could give me at the moment and telling her that even if nothing changed, I'm going to keep fighting for us and keep moving forward. And, um, and she broke down too. That was like a moment that 
she got a hold or God got a hold of her. I was in that moment of me repenting to her. (laughs) Yeah. I remember it being more emotional than the proposal, more emotional than the wedding. Even it was this very heartfelt um, care and concern. And I knew in that moment that there was nothing else that I wanted out of marriage or out of life than a husband that trusted God and, and, was going to choose to love me no matter what I brought to the table, no matter how I was being or what I could offer, like you said. And so it just felt like this re- release or relief almost of all the expectations and all the the pressures of what a marriage relationship can often bring. And it just felt good for a moment. It felt right. It felt real that we were going to choose despite any hardship, despite any challenges, that was when we said we were going to do this. We were going to commit to each other. Yeah. And that, you know, going to your second question, part of the question is how does this lead to what we do now? Um, in, in that season, uh, you know, I was working a job as a, I was a, a graphic, designer. graphic designer and in marketing and all this sort of thing and web development. And my wife had always wanted to be a writer. She was a writer. She wrote poems and, and essays and all sorts of things. I would say things. it was more of a passion that I did just my whole life of my way of my outlet of art and expression. Yeah. So we, I just one day was, I was realizing, I was like, Hey, why don't I like set you up a blog? Cause blogs were huge back then. I know that they, they still exist today, but they're not like they used to be. Social media is kind of taken over that. But I was like, Hey, how about I set you up a blog? I'll use it to like, I'm going to experiment with things I'm learning at work and things I've been working on. And, um, and we'll set you up a Facebook page. And she's like, what are you talking about? I was like, well, why don't you like, write? Why don't you write about, what we're learning, what God's teaching us. Uh, and in the story of the way we're sharing it, it sounds like this was the next day, but it was, it, wasn't <laughs> it was like almost a year. It was like almost a year yeah. later after we stepped yeah. into back into, um, uh, re-engaging with our marriage and then consuming marriage books and resources that were helping us and he, and our in community. I was going to say yeah. community and being encouraged from other marriages, uh, pouring into us yeah. and us actually receiving it. Yeah, and we and believe always, me, I have a lot of questions about that. So we will definitely yeah. get to that season right there for sure. Uh, we always um, tell people like we're, we, we're not marriage experts, and we never came into this as marriage experts. I don't think there is marriage experts that mm. exist, other than there's marriage people. There's people that have lived marriage, and, and they know it because they're in it. Um, but we just we, our our thing was like, why don't we just share what we're learning? Like, what is God teaching us? How did how did God take us from here to here? And what what does that look like? And um, so I set you a blog and uh, that was originally called Unveiled Wife. That was the original ministry that we began. And so I was a lot on the back end and she was a lot on the front end. Um, and, you know, it started resonating with women because there wasn't a lot of people sharing um, that level of intimacy and like that level of brokenness yet. And people were surprised by it. They were like, wait, I'm going through something very similar, or I have this same struggle, or I'm bitter also. I'm angry at God as well. Insecurities, fears, frustration. Yeah, and we know people don't weren't talking about it because right in the very beginning, we were getting emails from, you know, quote unquote Christians shaming us for talking about what we were going wow. through. And, and so I, that was, I was curious when you were talking about that, what kind of backlash you may have gotten. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. a lot, but there was a little bit right away. It's almost like Satan's like, I'm going to try and nip this in the bud now. Yeah. And, uh, but we didn't, you know, given you were, you were, you're like, wait, wait, what's happening? I'm like, don't worry about it. This is like, this, this is not everyone. And we, we weren't even being vulgar or anything. Like mm-hmm. when we talk about transparency, like we're, we're always very careful in the kind of language we use. Um, we don't try and be overtly, uh, uh, I don't know what the word is, but 
we try and be careful how we talk about certain things. Um, and we always have, but we, we just started sharing, um, and people started talking about it and people started loving the blog posts and resharing them. And the, the, the Facebook page started growing and other kind of relationships were formed out of that, that helped grow it as well. And that turned into unveiled wife and husband revolution two separate mm. ministries. And then um, a handful of years ago, when we wrote the marriage after God book, we kind of, we launched the marriage after God website and we've combined all the ministries into this one hub of marriage after God, where, you know, we just, we share still on our separate social medias, you know, husband revolution, unveiled wife, but we also have our marriage after God, Instagram and podcast. podcast. And so that's where we talk about everything now. I'll say this wow. though. I was, I was terrified to, start sharing our story. And I never would have thought that the topic of marriage would be the thing that I wrote about. If or I sense. ever wrote about anything <laughs> or sex yeah. or intimacy or any of the, um, the things that scared me, I, I don't know exactly how God gave me the courage to say yes to him to do this, but he did every little yes that we said yes to him. Yeah. We, we, we understood the purpose behind it. It was a bunch of small yeses because mm -hmm. it wasn't one big yes. Like, hey, write books. We're like, that, that came way later. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, hey, just share a little bit about what you're learning. And like yeah. all these, it was a bunch of, we talk about this in the marriage after God and I know we'll get to it, but it's all these little yeses that as we say yes to God, it's he's leading us to things that we never thought we'd be able to accomplish on our own. Hey friends, I can't tell you how many times we've had someone write in or message us asking us for a list of the podcast episodes and resources we have on a particular topic or pain point. In fact, just the other day, someone asked me, hey, can you point me to all the episodes you guys have on sexual betrayal? Because unfortunately, this person had just recently discovered that this was now part of their story. We get this question so much that we decided to do something about it to make it easier for you. Rather than wading through our entire library of very inspirational content, if I may say so myself, how about if we just give you a list of everything that we have on a particular topic you're looking for? We've done that, we've built some of these lists, and we call these lists Curated Pathways. With Curated Pathways on topics like grief, child loss, sexual betrayal, childhood trauma, widowhood, and more, we've compiled the very best resources from Nothing Is Wasted Ministries all in one place that will speak directly to what you're experiencing right now or what a friend or a family member is experiencing. We've packaged this in an easy way for you to consume it, you to access this material, or for you to send it over to a friend or family member you know who's experiencing a particular pain point right now. Our Curated Pathways will give you access to everything we've created from past podcast episodes to bonus content, master classes, live coaching, and everything in between. Let's be honest, when you're facing a crisis, a loss, or a trauma, you just don't have the time or the energy or emotional bandwidth to search for what could help you heal. That's why we've created Curated Pathways, so that you can more directly and quickly access the resources that you need. Now, you can get a taste of what our Curated Pathways are all about by going to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. But if you're ready to go to the next level on your healing journey, you can access the full library of our resources, including the entire Curated Pathway you're looking for by becoming a Community Plus member. For just $20 a month or $200 a year, 
you'll have access to the complete collection of Nothing Is Wasted Curated Pathways. As a Community Plus member, you'll be able to access a new curated pathway each month as our collection grows and as we release those. Our team has been working very hard to catalog, index, organize, and distribute our library of content in a way that will be most helpful to you, to your friends, to your family, because we know what it's like to face pain and we want to equip you with the tools you need to find hope and healing as you move from pain to purpose. Join Community Plus today at nothingiswasted.com slash community plus or get a little taste of our curated pathways at nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. Both of those links are here in the show notes. We want to help you partner with God to take back your story. And we're committed to giving you resources that will help you do just that. You know, one of the things we talk about a lot is leveraging the pain that you've gone through for good. And people look at things like what you guys are doing, you've turned it into an entire ministry, like what we've done, same vein. Mm-hmm. And they, it, it's like deer in the headlights. They get, it feels very daunting. They're like, oh, this means I have to create some kind of ministry. No, it doesn't. It means you say yes to the next step that God has mm-hmm. for you because yep. he's writing your redemption story. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be the one that really ri- writes and fleshes out how it's going to impact other people. So I love the fact that you, brought that up. I just want to underscore that. Just these mm-hmm. little yeses along the way. And, you know, to that point, you guys said, I mean, it was a year or more before you actually felt like you could turn that corner to begin to say a little yes in terms of ministering to other people. I've also heard you say that community was really important. I've heard prayer as one of those. Why don't you, un- why don't you untangle some of that stuff for me? Talk about what were some of those pivotal things in that healing journey that began to uh, cause you to you know or reorient your marriage and, and your own hearts in such a way that it was going to you know foster something that would flourish. Yeah, one of the first things was Aaron um, reached out to me and said, "Hey, I found this this marriage ministry, this group uh, at church that they study the word together and they talk together. So I want to go." <laughs> and I was like, "What? This yeah. feels really hard." That that was like my first big yes, even though it was a little, okay, yeah, we'll show up. Um, it, that felt really big to me, but we showed up and there was, oh my goodness, probably 400 people in the room. There was a lot of people in that room and I wanted to turn around and walk, walk out right away Yeah, because I didn't want anyone to know that we were not living a perfect marriage. I didn't want people to know that we were suffering or having a hard time. I didn't want to talk about anything. And so I kind of tugged on Aaron's arm, like, okay, let's slowly started backing up toward the door. (laughs) And this very tall gentleman put his arms around both of us and squeezed himself in between us and said, Hey, you guys new here? And we were like, deer in the headlights. Uh, Yeah, but we were actually just. (laughs) He saw us trying to escape (laughs) and he, he, he's a good friend of ours. And, uh, (laughs) Now, and yeah. he stopped us. He like he he literally us. stood between us and the door and then like walked us to his Pushed table. Pushed us to their <laughs> table and said, you can sit with us. And that was, that, that was the beginning, I would say, of us understanding what it means to be transparent in marriage, transparent with each other and, and opening up to confront the things that we were facing. Well, and that came from sitting for weeks without saying anything. Mm-hmm. Just kind of coming in, being very, maybe being very shallow yeah. on our conversations, but hearing all of the other couples share transparently the things that they're going through—that they just got in a fight on the way to church, and that they they seem happy, but they were so frustrated at each other in the car just moments before, and we had done the exact same thing, and we're like, oh wait, they yeah. fight too. 
and then hearing all of the things that they dealt with and then being so open with and we're like, why are they sharing all this? There was a lot of laughing, a lot of crying. Uh, how it was set up is there would be a short, like 15, 20 minute message and then table questions. And so For like the, an hour, the facilitators, yeah. the couples at the table who would kind of lead it out would ask these questions and then it would slowly start, people would start opening up and sharing. The, the point was to have a conversation yeah. with other couples. Mm-hmm. That was really the point. So there was questions to guide that, but really what it was, was we would get into tangents and all of us are just laughing about something and our table always got in trouble. <laughs> but the point was, and this is the, the thing that we learned is, is just openly and honestly and humbly communicating with other couples, with other Christians. That's the idea of fellowship is that you are fellowshipping and communing with each other and, and being real, not putting on masks, not being fake not trying to play a role, but being Christians with each other. That's the point. And that's where um, friendships were built. People who could peer into our lives and say, hey, how are you doing this week? Hey, how's intimacy? Hey, there's this challenge I want to, you know, give you guys in in hopes that it would help you. Whatever the thing was that they knew that we were walking through, they checked in on us, they helped. And then that Mm. gave us the opportunity to check in on them. And there was this camaraderie around marriage and and faith. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Can I ask you a question real quick along those lines? You know, I think sometimes people are afraid. I'm sure that this is partially a ploy of the enemy to really disclose what's going on in their marriage. Um, One, because they want to put on this pretense of like, as you guys have said, everything's fine. We're okay. Especially in church. Also, I think sometimes it can get minced with this idea of like, well, I need to, I'm, I've got to honor my spouse, which is true, right? So in front of other people, I need to speak honorably about them. How do you thread that needle? Mm. How did you guys discover that? Like, okay, we're, we're going to honor each other. And at the same time, like we need to be transparent and raw with yeah. this group of people and community because that's where healing takes place. I mean, what James said, confess your sins to one another so that you can be healed, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I think a big part of it did start with me recognizing my eyes needed to be on myself because it was so easy for me to see Aaron and see the things that he was struggling with or the things that bothered me or frustrated me in marriage about what he was doing or saying or, or anything oh, like I that. Change yeah. Me, yeah, and so there was this um, this transition of me recognizing who I am and what I'm. And that's where I think the growth came from. The personal growth that I experienced was actually like taking the plank out of my own eye. Um, But as far as bringing stuff to the table where you do have to talk about your spouse, I think um, like our tone of voice and our, our attitudes behind the words that we're saying reveal a lot because Mm. you can be saying something and reveal the bitterness and anger and frustration that you have towards the person Um. Or you can say it in a way that's like, this thing is happening and we want resolve. We both desire reconciliation. Um, I know that for us, sometimes those conversations took place beforehand and then kind of getting the permission, hey, can I share this um, with the group Mm -hmm. and kind of letting them know that you wanted to share about it? I I think it's it's kind of like a, a, it's a messy thing. And this is why it's so scary is because like you're saying, you're like, how do I first get down the, the, the perfect way of communicating about my wife? And then how do I share the things that we're going through? And I don't think there's a, a perfect solution. It'd be great if, 
if every husband could communicate super pre- um, humbly and respectfully about their sp- their wife, especially when they're angry and bitter toward their wife, that'd be great. But it, I don't think it always works that way. And um, a part of of getting past that, uh, there's a, a like a, there's a big chunk of pride that keeps us from talking about it because that's what keeps us wanting to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to be seen as weak. I don't want to be seen as broken. And also there's the self-preservation. If I open up about my, my wife, if I open up, up, up about what we're going through, mm. I'm going to be called out for the things that I'm doing mm. wrong also. Mm. And so I think just doing it and that having that James perspective of I'm going to confess this because I want to be healed. Mm. Even if I don't confess it well, I want to be, that what we need to do is be ready to humbly receive rebuke, correction, exhortation, encouragement, you know, truth, all of those things we have to receive. And that's what, that's what people don't like. They don't want to open up because what, because what they want is the encouragement and the reminding, but they don't want the rebuke and the exhortation, but we need all of it. Yeah. We're, we're to do that for each other. Our first um, position should as believers should not always be I want to rebuke like that that's something that should come when it's necessary but as someone who's ready to confess someone who's ready to change and someone who wants to open up and be known has to be also willing to receive all that comes with that and that's why people run that's why people they're like oh I tried this community I tried this church and we were there for six months and it just didn't work out people were just too judgy People were just too, you know, this or that. And all I think is like, actually, you just don't like getting rubbed up against. <laughs> wow. And that's what it, exactly what it is. And the moment you're willing to be rubbed up against, the moment you're willing to share and be like, I, you know what? I am, I am broken. I, I'm a sinner. I actually need help. I actually need to be reminded. I actually need to be told when I'm wrong. I actually, because I don't see it clearly myself. Once you can get to that point, you've actually all, that's when you've surrendered to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's the one convicting you in the first place. Wow. And then you take that next step of like, I, I need to find people that are going to walk with me and help me in this because mm-hmm. I need help. Mm-hmm. I think the forum matters too. So, you know, who your audience is, maybe if yeah. you're going through, walking through something really heavy and you do need a be able to share something about your spouse that you know probably isn't, um, like you said, an honorable thing. Don't say it in front of 20 people. Go pull one couple aside, go have dinner with them yeah, and say, hey, we need, yeah, make it private, more intimate, um, especially for accountability purposes, because you don't need 25 people to keep you accountable. You just need one other couple or two other couples to say, hey, we're, we're going to walk through this with you. Yeah, how's that thing you brought up? Yeah. How are you guys doing with that? Hmm. That's great. That's such that's great insight. It really is because that can be a very tricky experience as you're walking with community um, together, right? Mm-hmm. You're both your own person, so you're both trying to figure out, Lord, what are you doing in me right now? How do I need? But and at the same time, you're one, so it's so overlapped and threaded together. It can be very tricky sometimes to to thread that needle. What yeah. you know, you mentioned something, Aaron, about the idea of prayer, and that really piqued my curiosity, um, mainly because there are definitely certain situations in my marriage where I've recognized, you know, I've tried to say everything I could or do everything I could. And it's like the Lord keeps bringing me back to my knees on on things. And I feel like all of us have that experience if we're willing to admit that. What, what, why was prayer so pivotal for you guys? So prayer has been a part of our lives in various forms and fashions 
since we were children, uh, Jennifer was raised in a family where her aunt was a very influential role in her life as a Christian and teaching her about prayer. My parents, um, prayer was so common. Like my dad prayed with me every night before bed. We prayed before every meal. My mom would pray on the drive to anywhere for anything. She just always prayed. And so it was a very normal thing for me. And so when we were dating and even into marriage, like prayer was normal. Normal. Yeah. Like we prayed with each other all the time. It doesn't mean we were perfect, but we prayed. And so in marriage, when we get into the marriage, our marriage season, um, that first initial four years, uh, prayer was pivotal in that because we're, we're praying and asking God, you know, every day and multiple times a day, like, Hey, heal us, fix this. Mm. And even when, you know, Jennifer got to a point of, you know, feeling like she couldn't pray or didn't want to talk to God, like she was talking about being angry toward God. Um, I was, like I said, I still had hope I was holding on to, and I still kept praying. That was what my pattern was and asking God, God, I can't do this. What's going on? Why is this happening? What have we done? What, what do I need to do to change? And that thread of prayer, even when we weren't, you know, in the word as consistently, even when we weren't in church consistently, even when we had no community, being in communion with God, I believe is what led us to that moment that we were able to hear God. Even if we felt like we couldn't hear him the whole time, if even if we felt he, like he wasn't answering us for four years, which we didn't felt like he wasn't, we still were connected with him. It was that it was that that string, that vein that was keeping us at least near him. Mm-hmm. When we, if, especially when we felt like we were drifting away from him, not that he was drifting from us. We we perceived that he was drifting, but he wasn't. It was us. So prayer was a it was a vital, pivotal. If we weren't praying together, if we weren't, if prayer wasn't a part of our lives, I think it would have ended much differently. Mm -hmm. I don't think we would have been sensitive enough to hear God when he spoke to us, when he revealed these things to us. And we've made that a a pivotal point in our ministry now. And, you know, we've wrote several books on, on praying for your wife and praying for your husband. And uh, our newest book, uh, The Marriage Gift is 365 Prayers for Your Marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we want couples praying together because if they're praying together, they will be able to get through anything together. Mm-hmm. If they're truly praying and, and, and seeking God, not just, not just checking a box, not just playing a role, not just pretending or putting on a, a face, but actually praying and, and desiring to hear from God, desiring an answer from God, expecting mm-hmm. something from God. I think what I've learned about prayer, especially in marriage is that when you pray, you're exercising humility. You're going before your creator, your father in heaven. And I mean, what you experience is that you are small. The things that Mm. you're facing, even if they seem enormous, you know, you're, you're trusting in the one who can do the impossible and you're believing for miracles. And especially in marriage, you need humility in order to have a relationship with someone else, to live in the same house with someone else and go through all the motions of, of learning each other and um, love and being frustrated, uh, mm-hmm. enjoying one another and walking through hardship, all of those things. Um, when you are in an argument, when you are disagreeing, you need humility in order to even hear what the other person is saying, um, let alone reconcile in that. And so uh, for me, being able to pray with Aaron was an exercise in humility for both of us. And it always, it 
continues to this day, brings us back to a place of unity, a place of uh, being on the same page spiritually and physically. Mm-hmm. Um, when we can, when we can hold hands and go before God, it's just, it's something that's really beautiful. And I think necessary for, for the believer to be able mm-hmm. to do and, and exercise and experience. Um, and we know that this is, uh, w- even though Aaron said like, this was a normal practice for us, something that we were raised with and something that we felt comfortable doing in marriage. After having started our, our marriage ministry, um, we focused on prayer because we knew what it did for us and we wanted to give people that same hope. And so we started out, you know, sending out emails or even on social ma- media, sharing little blurbs of prayer that people can pray. And we knew that we wanted that to be essential. And what we found is people responding saying, thank you for these. I, there's things that I have in my heart that I don't even have the words for. I don't know what to say and you've helped me or, um, yeah, I didn't even know I could be or should be praying for these things. <laughs> yeah. Or people wow. admitting and confessing that, uh, praying with their spouse terrifies them that they don't even know where to start. And so for us, the seed of, of, writing this book, The Marriage Gift, was wanting to give couples a resource that they can experience together, that um, maybe if they don't have the words, or maybe they just don't have that initial courage to say, you know, grab their hand and pray with each other, they can use this, open up, it's one page of prayer, read the prayer, and then from there, our hope is that it would be a catalyst and an inspiration to say, yeah, let's make this more personal, because on, you know, on this topic, I know for us personally, and then just go from there. Yeah, wow. And uh, I, I, w- I would add that we also learned that prayer is the most intimate thing you can do with your spouse, which is also why it's so terrifying for many couples to do, because they've never experienced that level of intimacy, spiritual intimacy of, of coming to God together, of revealing your heart, the one that you privately only reveal to God, now you're revealing it to your spouse also. And they get to see a part of you that they've never seen or heard before. And so that level of intimacy is scary for a lot of people. Like it's, e- it's almost easier for f- physical intimacy to, to be able to cut off the, the, the emotional and the spiritual side of things. Yeah. But praying ties the emotional and the spiritual and the physical mm-hmm. all together. And, it, and that's, that's something, that's why we call it the marriage gift. We want to give a gift to, to marriages that they would understand, they would know a level of intimacy that they've never known before with each other and with God and that they would do that together. And so we, it's, it's intimate. It's, it's scary, but it's, it's also one of the most powerful things that God's given us is that we can talk to him whenever we want. Wow. Wow. In, in being able to share our story today and <clears throat> spanning the 17 years in a very short period of time, um, <laughs> yeah. going from listening to us talk about uh, the desires that I had as a young wife, you know, and with being physically intimate with Aaron and knowing that there was pain and frustration there to now hearing Aaron, you share on how prayer is the most intimate thing you could do with your spouse. I'm just realizing the, um, <laughs> the intimacy that we had as a young couple in praying together and spiritual intimacy was what we had that that is what we experienced and that was that's really cool that we had that despite the other issues that we were facing and a lot of the times that was the some of the only thing we were able to hold on to in that early those early years and that blossomed into so much more now looking back 17 years that that season we've almost we've over doubled the years that we (laughs) of of good times you know we've had struggles since then but 
but not on that level of, mm-hmm. of anger and bitterness. Um, and so looking back in hindsight, those years were very short. Mm-hmm. That, that season of, of pain was, was just a, tw- a twinkle in the past now. Um, but there are people that are in the midst of it mm-hmm. and it's hard to see past it. It's hard to not feel all the feelings that you have. It's hard not to think all the thoughts you have. Um, but you know, we can always see, we talked about um, earlier, how about, you know, all those little yeses and, Mm -hmm. and how good it is to take our pain and turn it into something good. But that's exactly God's plan for the world is, you know, people often ask like, why can't we just get rid of all the pain and suffering? Why, why was, doesn't God do that? That wouldn't fix anything. All that, the only way that works is you have to get rid of everyone. That's the only way to do that. Good, right. But God loves us. So the better plan is to fix all the things that are broken. And so what he does is he says that he works all things together for our good. And so the bad and the good and the hard and the painful are, thi- are, are things that he alone can work for good. He works it and he molds it and he takes it and he makes it from something that was hard and, and ugly and he turns it into something beautiful and valuable. And that, that's a so much, a, a so much better plan for the world than just getting rid of all of the pain and suffering because you, me, you, everyone would have to be gone for that to, wow. to happen because of all the pain and suffering that we each cause mm-hmm. on another right. person or even ourselves. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a quick moment to connect you with a free resource that I know will be helpful in your pain to purpose journey. It's our free seven day devotional that you can sign up for right now. With this devotional, you'll get seven daily devotions that I wrote. We'll deliver them directly to your inbox each morning for seven days. These are adapted from our pain to purpose 42 day devotional and are full of daily scripture readings, questions to reflect upon and prayer prompts to help you focus your heart. If you're looking for some encouragement and whatever you're facing, this is it. And listen, the best part about it, it's completely free. All you have to do is go to devo.nothingiswasted.com. Again, that's devo.nothingiswasted.com to sign up for this seven-day devotional. Now, I don't know your story, but what I do know is that God isn't done with it. Whether you've endured a recent loss, a divorce, an unexpected diagnosis or some other painful reality, God wants to give you hope when it seems like all hope is lost. Let's take seven days together to find that hope in whatever you're walking through. Sign up today at devo.nothingiswasted.com. sitting around this conversation i'm thinking okay we we talked a little bit about the the thing that set off the alarm was physical intimacy it was like something's going on here and it's what kind of was the pressure that was applied to your life was this um frustration surrounding that and then we've kind of talked about like some of the modes that god used you know community prayer mm-hmm. to facilitate that healing i'm curious for each of you maybe you can point to one or two a piece what were some of the major paradigms that god shifted in you you know, like some of these big aha moments or 
And maybe it was in a one big epiphany kind of moment, or maybe it was over time. But what are what are some of the paradigm shifts that each of you can point to? That's like this is how my heart had to change in order for us to uh, start to like lean into each other again. I think for me, um, fear was a big one. It was a, con- a com- confrontation of uh, being a fearful person in general. And God was like showing me, you're afraid of all of these things. You're afraid to be intimate with your husband. You're afraid um, even to step into physical intimacy, knowing that you've experienced pain and there was apprehension there. And so I was closing myself off to all the things that I was afraid of. Nope, not going to do that. Nope, not going to do that. And so for me, there was this, this journey and this transformation of trusting God to be able to say yes to things that terrified me, um, going into deep conversation with Aaron, um, exposing my heart and the things that I wrestle with, um, everything. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, a big par- par- <clears throat> excuse me, big paradigm shift was understanding forgiveness mm. and that I can forgive regardless if my wife changes or not that I can see past these things and I can, I can still practice loving her and, and serving her if nothing changes and understanding that side of Christ, that wow. what he, what he did, he did before anyone chose him. <laughs> mm-hmm. He did it for us. It says yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't, he didn't wait for us to do that, you know, do the right things. He didn't wait for us to purify ourselves. He didn't wait for us to, because we couldn't, it was impossible. And so he did it for us, which then makes it possible. Uh, and so understanding Christ's love for us uh, changed everything about how I saw our marriage, about how I see other people. Uh, and so I would say that was the biggest one was that. Mm. Mm. So good. Well, so if we can go back full circle, you know, if someone is listening to this, they're experiencing, whether it be because of sexual intimacy, that that's the alarm that's kind of sounding in their marriage or, or some other kind of struggle or frustration. Um, what, what would you, if you're sitting across the, the table at Starbucks or something, or well, you're in Oregon, so you know, choose your own adventure in terms of what kinds of coffee, coffee yeah. uh, shop you're gonna probably some kind of boutique coffee shop, but uh, where, wherever you're sitting there having coffee, what would you say to them first? Like, what do you think is kind of the key first step for them if they're experiencing this kind of frustration in marriage, especially if they're at the the point where, where you guys were, where it's like, we're ready to throw in the towel on this thing. I, mm-hmm. I don't think we can do this anymore. I know it sounds cliche, but the first phrase that I heard pop up into my head is don't give up, <laughs> don't give up. And I feel like I needed to hear that many times um, as a new bride and moving into those first few years of our marriage. And that's where our, our biggest struggle was. But don't give up and uh, press into press into the hardship with each other. Don't isolate each other. Don't push him yeah. away. Don't push her away. Um, but figure out how you as a, as a team, as, as one, can experience this thing together. And I know that feels really hard to do when you do feel like you're at the end or, or you feel hopeless or you feel in despair. But I mean, Aaron, you, you were the person that I had, like there was no one else. Yeah. <laughs> and so you, you sharing where you were at on your journey really helped me believe that we can move forward. When you shared that experience of realizing what Christ has done for for you and for yeah. us, 
Um, and so I would say, be honest with each other, share where you guys are at, even if it is in a place of despair, share those feelings because mm-hmm. it, it matters. And I start with always the gospel because, mm. and again, I know that also sounds cliche, but I, I mean, genuinely the thing that changed me was God reminding me of the gospel. Yeah. <laughs> he took <laughs> me back to the moments before Christ died for me. Wow. And so often as believers, the, the reason we need to be the, the most of the new Testament is encouragement for believers to be encouraging other believers. Mm. Think about that mm-hmm. because we need it. Yeah. We forget how good it is of a salvation that we have. Yeah. We forget what forgiveness means. Every single time we withhold forgiveness from our spouse, we are not remembering the gospel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are forgetting just how much I've been, we, we ourselves have been forgiven on the cross mm-hmm. when we hold withhold forgiveness from anyone ever. It doesn't matter what they've done. And that's a big thing. That's a big thing to say because no matter what anyone's done to me, it's not more unforgivable than what I've done to Christ. Mm. Because all sin was was needed to be sacrificed for. All sin wow. needed to be atoned for. All sin. And so, if I can be forgiven, then I must forgive. That's what Jesus even teaches in Matthew chapter wow. 6. If you do not forgive, then your Father in heaven will not forgive you. He's like... You've been forgiven of all your sin. You must forgive all of the sins of others. Wow. That's a hard thing for us as humans to, to remember. Yeah. And so I start with the gospel and I, I remind them of exactly what they've been forgiven of, of what they've been cleansed of, of what God has done for them in Christ Jesus. Mm. And that in Christ, they are able to forgive their spouse. In Christ, they are able to move forward in their marriage. In Christ, they are able to find healing and restoration and reconciliation because that's the ministry that we've been given in Christ is the ministry of reconciliation. And so it's got, if if you can't start at the gospel, then there's no actual solution to the problem. Yeah. It's going to be at the whim of their heart. Mm -hmm. So. Wow. Wow. That's so good. It's such a poignant thing when, you know, that moment in your story, Aaron, where you (laughs) were, brought back to the garden of Gethsemane. It's like, okay, here's Jesus saying, okay, this is the cup that, I mean, if you're willing, God, would you take it away? And God's like, no, you know, so it's like your, your will be done Lord, no matter what. And um, I know it can sound, someone could take that as they're listening to this and go, oh, the the cup that I have to bear in marriage, it sounds almost, it almost puts like a, it can put like a fatalistic or masochistic kind of like lens on marriage. But the reality is, is like, we are like marriage is about, sacrifice. It's about our, it's about pointing us to become more like the image of Jesus mm-hmm. in that sacrifice. It's about our holiness. And what's so important to remember is that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross that on the, yeah. on the other side of sacrifice is this satisfaction and joy and fulfillment mm-hmm. that it, it's unprecedented. And you can't fathom what God has for you on the other side of that. Um, but it's such an important moment for you to go, I'm going to love my wife as Christ loves his bride. And it's not easy, not just for you, but (laughs) for everybody. It it, it often is a a cup of pain uh, choosing that. And and that's on both sides. That's for the wife and for the husband. Exactly. Is, you know, imagine if Christ would have said, no, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) Where would we be? (laughs) You know, I know. Um, And, and for those that are in that position, for those marriages that are like, I don't want to take this cup. I don't want to, pick up this cross. 
Jesus understands that. Mm-hmm. He prayed yeah. three times. This is this was the biggest part wow. of the revelation. He th- like three times asked Christ, God, God, is there any other way? Mm. And and the the conversation that he's having with God is, I'm about to die on a cross, a very painful death, and it's going to take hours, and it's going to be for people that are spitting on me and hitting me and beating me and mocking me. And even after I do it, even after I resurrect from the dead, there will still be people that I died for that are going to do that to me. Wow. And he did it for the whole world. And so it was, it was more like God was saying, he's like, Hey, the, the thing that you think is so painful is not as painful as you think it is. Yeah. Not that he's minimizing and, and trying to take away the validity of my my pain, but he's he's showing me in relativity to Christ. Mm. He's saying, Look at what you've been given. Mm. Jesus felt how you feel, and yet he followed me. He he chose to to take my will over his own. Mm. And he's like, So are you gonna do the same? Are you gonna take my will over your will? Wow. Yeah. Wow. There's a really great design in marriage that God created, um, something with great purpose where when you choose to follow Christ and live out this kind of love, this kind of transforming love, you become a beacon of light and a reflection yep. of His love to the whole world, to the whole world. Whether you take that and are able to do a marriage ministry, okay, that that's what we have been given and we're grateful for it. But every marriage, every right. marriage has the opportunity when they step outside of their home, actually, it starts within their home because yeah. most people have children. So you become a light and a reflection of God's love story to your children, to your family, to your neighbors, to everybody. And I just want to encourage people that when you take that step of courage to love each other like Christ, you reflect His love. That's so good. That's so good. Guys, this has been incredible. Oh my gosh. I wish we could talk for another hour about this. <laughs> you know, we just barely scratched the surface. I know everybody is going to want to tune into what you guys are doing. So I want to make sure everybody... Uh, tunes into the Marriage After God podcast. It's a podcast you guys do pretty regularly. Um, And then some of the books you guys have written, The Unveiled Wife was the first one, right? The Husband After God, and then the latest one, The Marriage Gift, which is a daily devotional journey to inspire, encourage, and transform us in our prayer life. Um, Is there other places that folks can follow along with what you guys are doing? Uh, Just on Instagram, you can follow Marriage After God. Yeah, and then uh, the easiest way to check out our newest book, The Marriage Gift, is just themarriagegift.com. Awesome. Guys, thank you again for waking up so early and being a part of this. This has really blessed me and ministered to me, and I know it has done so for our community too. So we appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Such a helpful conversation. Yeah, it was a really incredible conversation with um, Aaron and Jennifer. And I I really, Davey, I... Was I was so blown away by how candid they were, yeah. and that they were like it wasn't like we had an argument and got over it. It was like <laughs> I think they said they had like pretty intense pain, even mm-hmm. wanted to like end things for like four oh, yeah. years. I think oh, is yeah. what I remember her saying. And um, so um, I was just so thankful that they were willing to go there for our audience and for mm-hmm. us to hear their journey, and then even what has been birthed out of it with their ministry. Um, so I would love to hear what your thoughts are too, Davey. Well, I mean, I think that it's really uh, helpful for all of us to hear that marriage is difficult and, you know, marriage is a beautiful and wonderful thing. And there's also seasons where it's difficult. I mean, when you're taking two sinful people who are selfish and have their own mode of operation 
the way that they like to do life and you put them together, it doesn't just by default create this seamless, cohesive unit. You know, marriage is becoming one. And, uh, you know, you hear the old phrase leaving and cleaving, right? Which, you know, leaving your former life, your your old household, all that stuff, right? And cleaving to someone else. But really marriage has a, a lot of like leaving, cleaving and weaving that goes on. Like you're constantly trying to figure out how do we become one yeah. and operate as one unit, one flesh, one, you know. And so it's it, it's helpful to for someone just to be transparent and honest about it. I think a lot of times the marriage resources that you come across are like someone coming from a, loftier place going like, we've figured this out. And I know that's not what they're saying, but a lot of times it feels like that. You're reading, you're like, man, it sounds like you guys got it all figured out. Or they're not sharing that part of it. Like maybe they haven't hard, but I feel like it's so helpful to hear from someone who's willing to say, we've had some pretty hard seasons. We've been on different pages about really important things. And how do you get back on the same page? And I, I do think one thing that they said, that Aaron said specifically was about prayer and how um, even though they were struggling with some intimacy things in their marriage, that that actually God showed him, like, this is actually the most intimate place you can be with your right. wife, your spouse. Um, and and I know for Corey and I, my husband and I, we, we've had seasons where we've like been very committed. We're going to pray every night. Right. And then we have littles running around and you're like, we don't stick to our plan. And it, I can yeah. tell a, a difference in, what we're us being on the same page and speaking the same language and yep. understanding one another that prayer really does make a difference um and having right. that rhythm of prayer so right. yeah yeah it's so true and you know it as we record this right now is pretty fresh into 2024 and you know one of the things that instead of resolutions we talked about this a couple of weeks ago instead of resolutions we're talking about rhythms right we want to encourage people to do rhythms one of the rhythms that I feel a lot of conviction around is this rhythm of prayer. You know, how much am I immersing myself as someone who that my propensity is, well, let me find the problem, let me fix it, let me put my hand to the plow, let me do the right, very self-sufficient, very like achievement oriented. I know that, you know, you're very similar in that way too, Amy, because of your propensity, your personality. And so it's like, I want to do I want to make this happen. I want to fix this. And there's so I feel like every area of my life, the Lord is continually going, you can't make this happen. Like you need to trust me with this, rest in this, let me do this. And, you know, it's it it constantly seems to be the lesson that God keeps trying to teach me in so many different areas of my life. But I can attest to the fact that when in the seasons I've just said, Lord, I'm just gonna bring this to you in prayer consistently over and over and bring this to you in prayer. What I see happen in the spiritual is my heart gets softer, right? First of all, but then I also begin to see that it's like what Batterson used to say, or used to say, but what he said in Circle Maker is he said that one hour of prayer is like a thousand hours of work. You know, and I know it's not, that's not like, it's, it's not always that exact numbers, but the concept, the idea that like you're letting God do his thing in the spiritual. Yes. And especially when it comes to someone else, like when we talk about our kids or our spouse or like, we can't control their little hearts, the kids, the, you know, our spouse, like we can't, and it's really futile and it's just really ugly when we try to, like when we are fighting to control that, you know? A friend of mine told me, this was before I was married years ago, um, 
she was talking about her and her husband, but this, again, I had roommates at the time. I was working full-time in um, a different capacity. And I remember her saying to me that the Holy Spirit's voice is more powerful than my voice will ever be because she can go so nag good. her husband, nag her husband, nag her husband. I could keep saying the same thing to a roommate or to a colleague. Um, but it really is like, not that we know, we do want to advocate for ourselves when we need to, but at some point it's like that nudge of the Holy Spirit to say, Come, go to the Lord ask Him for a change of heart for yourself, but then also that He would bring the people around the person, your spouse or whoever, you want um, to hear from Him, and the Holy Spirit will do it. He, I've seen it happen. Of Like, I've said something to Corey, my husband, and, you know, it's not landing. And then it's like, okay, I just need to be consistent to pray. And then it's almost like the Lord kind of comes in for both of us and shifts both of us to get on the same page. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how that works. And it, I mean... This is not, I know it could sound like, oh, yeah, 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 that's the Christian thing to do, you know, like, of course we're going to do that. But I'm telling you, like, God moves in this. Mm-hmm. I've, I, one of the things I've shared this before on the podcast, I'm sure, but I don't know if it's probably been a long time. Maybe this encourages somebody, but one of the things I was privileged um, to be able to have a window into was Amanda's journal entries, my late mm-hmm. wife's journal. And so I read all of her journals, things that she wrote, you know, while she was alive, while she was growing up, while we were married, while we're, you know, working through a lot of, and there are certain entries where she would pray for me about specific things. Oh. And um, I, I, she never would mention, like, I was actually a little bit surprised reading it because I'm like, she never mentioned that to me. She never was like, these are things she was praying for me for. Sometimes it was things like, can you, hey Lord, can you wake Davy up over this or help him to see this or, you know, but never would she mention that to me. And I, I could go back and track multiple times where the Lord did convict me about certain things or he brought somebody else in my life mm-hmm. that, you know, for whatever reason, right? Like, you know this. It's almost like as a parent, like your yeah. kids won't listen to you, but they'll listen to somebody else. A lot of times, that's the case. True when it, or that's that's also the case when it comes to your marriage, because you're like, yeah, you just don't understand. You're, you know, you're trying to like, but then someone else comes in. It's like, no, this is truth, and you take heed to it. Mm-hmm. And I can cite those examples throughout and go, yep, that's where God, the Holy Spirit, nudged me. But I, I also look back and I can trace it to her prayers. Mm, that's awesome, Davey. What a gift that you have yeah. Amanda's words and that you can see it. And I think about that, whether it's you had a praying grandmother or, yep. a, you know, a parent, you may not know, but that who's gotten you where you are. And then I think in our frustrations, sometimes um, I just want the thing to change. Like, like you said, yeah. I want to push it and force it. And it's like, that's when it's like, okay, I really have to, Calm down, be patient, trust the Lord's timeline, and look at my own heart and not just try to change yep. those around me, be it my family, my kids, my husband. Um, but I I agree with you that it's it, those who have been praying for us, and then we get to pray for others right. too, right. and build that unison and to get on the same page. Corey and I's pa- passage when we got married was Philippians 2, the same love, the same purpose, the same spirit, and Sometimes we forget that. <laughs> we forget that that's what we're, our marriage is built on. Um, and so prayer kind of brings us back and reminds us who God is, but then yeah. also reminds us who we are and also reminds us what's the point of marriage anyway. Yeah, right. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, Davey. Aaron mentioned it a little bit, like 
the point of marriage altogether. Like, yeah, that's so good. I'm glad you brought that up because that's what I was going to say is like, at the end of the day, this reminds us what the point of marriage, I mean, the prayer changes us, mm-hmm. right? Prayer sometimes changes our circumstances. It always changes us. That's good. And that's the point of marriage is that we change, that I change mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I need to become as John the Baptist said in John 3.30, I need to decrease yes. so that he can increase. And some of the lever points that God uses in our sanctification journey for us to become less and become more like the image of Jesus, <clears throat> the sacrificial servant, um, you know, servant-filled person of Jesus. Some of those lever points, one is marriage, hmm. one is parenting. You know, these are things that God is using in our lives to make us more like Jesus. And so that's really the point, <clears throat> the point of life in general, become yeah. more like the image of Jesus. And there's beautiful moments when we walk in that. There's beautiful things that take place when we walk in that. It helps us give a little bit more grace too. When, I mean, I love my husband. He's a wonderful man. We had a, we have a beautiful family and all of that. But sometimes in the day-to-day, it can be very easy to forget that the point is, it's her holiness that we're, it's that iron sharpening iron that right. at some point he will be presented to God at the throne of grace. He And I will be presented there and like, have we uh, worked on each other in a loving way, yeah. living for Christ? I'm shining for Christ. I'm living for Christ. And I, again, it can sound trite. I know it can, right. especially if your marriage is in a hard spot right now. Yeah. Um, if you're in a place where you feel like we're not even on the same page about the day-to-day, much less spiritual things or whatever. Right. It can feel very much like this is foreign and impossible. Um, but I've seen it in friends and other relationships where you feel like it's the end and God is loving, He's for you, and there is hope and that unison that can come. And and that's, I think that's where Aaron was saying too, I remember him saying that, that he and his wife went to an event. They were trying to step out in vulnerability and try to get some help. Yeah. And they get there and they're ready to leave. And we all may feel that way at times. We're yeah. finally like reaching out for help. And it feels so scary. But to push oh, through and find that wise friend, mentor that can step in with you. Yeah, that's so good. Well, that's what we want to provide for you here, or at least one of the spaces that is available to you in your life. There's other spaces that are available to you in your life to be able to do this. There's all kinds of great marriage material out there. Hopefully your local church has a great opportunity for you to, whether it's counseling or some groups like what Aaron and Jennifer were talking about. But we also want to be able to help you along this journey because we know that pain and trauma can be difficult to navigate. Marriage that compounds pain and trauma, or should I say the other way, pain and trauma that compounds some of the struggles of marriage can be extremely difficult to to navigate. And so we've got a lot of tools, nothingiswasted.com, a lot of resources there to help you along the journey. We have coaches. Mm -hmm. Uh, We actually have coaches that are designated for marriage struggle, marriage trauma. Um, Dave and Mary Gothi are a couple of those coaches. Um, You know, she is a licensed 
counselor. They're both they're both certified through Pain to Purpose. They lead a ministry called the Significant Marriage. I mean, that's what they do is they help couples in these spaces, especially from a place of pain. And um, and so we want to connect you with any of the resources that we have. Go to nothingiswasted.com. If you want to figure out a way how, you know, how can you get started on this, nothingiswasted.com slash start here is a great place to go to register for our next Zoom call, five steps to taking back your story. No matter what you've gone through, we'll have the link right in the show notes below this YouTube video. And um, and as always, we want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. You can download and stream any, his music anywhere music can be downloaded and streamed. And we'd love for you to engage with us across the board on our community platform, on the socials. Amy's our community director. Amy, tell us how they can do that. Yes, I would love to hear your story. You can message me there. We, you can post on our main discussion feed. You can find us. It's completely free to sign up. It's at nothingiswasted.com slash community. And then um, our socials, you can follow us. Nothing is waste, at, it's at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. Me at Davy Blackburn. Aubrey at Obsamp. Eric at EM Shoemaker. And Amy at, at This Wholehearted Life. This Wholehearted Life underscore. underscore. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Next week, we've got a great conversation for you, just like we have every single week. And this conversation is with um, Andrea Herzer. And so we want to go ahead and give you a little um, teaser in our conversation with Andrea. So go ahead and take a listen to this. Jesus lived the life that we couldn't live. He lived the perfect life. And so... He died the death that our sins deserved. Mm. And when we put our faith in Him and follow Him as our Lord, He covers us. His blood Mm. covers us. His Spirit comes to live in us. And His righteousness now becomes ours. Mm. So, Jesus forgave my sins when I received Him as my Lord. But it's not a one-and-done thing. It's one and done in that now I am walking with the Lord. Now I have the Holy Spirit living in me, but I need to make the choice every single day to follow Him. Hmm. And when we are suffering, it becomes even harder because our flesh cries out, right? We're, yeah. we're, we're yeah. in that survival mode and we want to do everything we can to just survive. And sometimes we make choices that maybe aren't healthy. And, but God's grace is always there. It's always there Mm -hmm. to just draw us back to Him at every given moment. Mm 